Amen. I love what the Bible says in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Good morning. It's so good to have you here with us this morning at Arise Baptist Church. And we're glad that you've chosen to come and be here and worship the Lord with us together today. I'm so thankful for all that the Lord did last Sunday and all that the Lord is doing in our church even this past week and looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. And I'm very thankful to report during, over this past week we've seen uh, folks come to Christ. Uh, we've uh, had one baptized last Sunday if you were here and uh, looking forward to Lord willing being able to baptize again next Sunday. So be planning to be here for that next Sunday as well. Of course, at the end of the service today, we'll observe the Lord's table together as we remember Jesus' death, His burial, and of course, His resurrection today as we celebrate that on Sunday morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Ask Him to bless our time. We need Him today. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can come before Your presence with singing. Lord, we thank You that we can praise Your name today. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin so that we could have eternal life. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in our church, in the lives of the people that are here today. Lord, I know that there are some that are out today, some that are sick, some that are away traveling. I pray that you'd give them safety as they're away and heal those that are not well, bring them back to us soon. Lord, we thank you for those that have been able to gather with us today, and we look forward to continuing to worship you together this morning. It's good to come to the house of the Lord and to be able to praise the name of the Lord together. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful weather that you've given us today. Thank you that we can live in a world that you created, and thank you for your perfect plan for our life. I pray that you'd bless our service now. We need you today. We're nothing without you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Freddie's going to come in just a moment for our scripture reading this morning. We're going to be reading from John chapter 16, and uh, we've moved back and forth a little bit in the book of John as we covered the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we're going back to where we left off back a few months ago, back in John chapter 16. Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he's preparing them for what is going to come next. And so as Freddie comes and reads to us, I want you to listen as he reads from John chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think, will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I say not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go 
my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, and he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And let's take our Bibles, turn to John chapter 16 this morning. Do you remember growing up when uh, your mom and dad would tell you you were getting ready to go someplace or something was about to happen, maybe you had people over to your house, and mom and dad would give you a list of instructions or preparations, things to kind of help you think about what was going to happen so that you could be ready when it took place. I know that that happens in our house quite a bit as we're getting ready to head home perhaps. We say, all right, when we get home, I need you to go over and pick this up and this person go get ready to do that and and then this is going to take place so that we're all ready when it happens. We try to prepare our children for things before they take place. And sometimes it works better than others, right? Sometimes uh, we listen when someone's trying to prepare us. Sometimes we just kind of ignore it. Or sometimes, as I think these disciples did, they got fixated on one portion of what Jesus was saying and maybe missed some of the bigger message that Jesus was trying to prepare them for. See, what's taking place here in John chapter 16 is Jesus is preparing His disciples for the time when Jesus would be crucified and would die. And he wanted to prepare them in their thinking, not only for his death, but then later on for his ascension, when he would leave this earth and go back to heaven. And he wanted them to know how to think. He wanted them to know how to act. He wanted them to be prepared for what was coming next. See, Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples ahead of time so that when the things happened that Jesus prophesied would take place, they would know what to do. They would know how to behave. If you have children, you spend a lot of time preparing them for things, whether it's just for the next thing that's happening in the schedule, or hopefully, in a bigger sense, preparing them for life. What am I going to do? How am I going to think? How do I make decisions? How do I know the difference between right and wrong? How do I know how to follow God on my own? It's one thing to take your children to church. It's another thing entirely when they grow up to expect them to continue on doing what you've tried to train them to do. And Jesus, as he's working with his disciples here, he's trying to prepare them for when he is no longer there with them. And he tells them of this one. He calls him the comforter. He also refers to him as the spirit of truth. We would look at him today and we know who this person is 
is that he's referring to, this is the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father. Jesus prays to God the Father. He speaks a lot about God the Father. Of course, Jesus, God's Son, the second member of the Trinity. And now Jesus is speaking of the third member, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this passage together this morning, there's some very, very important things for us here. Because we are living in the day that Jesus was telling His disciples would come to pass. We are living in the day where Jesus is not walking around on the earth with us. Jesus is not here in physical flesh today. But the third member of the Trinity is here with us today, the Holy Spirit. So it's very important that we understand who the Holy Spirit is and what it is that He came to do. In fact, as we go through the message this morning, you're going to see seven different ministries that the Holy Spirit has specifically for people today. But let's go ahead and begin back in verse number one because Jesus doesn't start out by talking about the Holy Spirit. Instead, he starts out his discussion with the disciples in John chapter 16, speaking about some really hard, painful, difficult things that were going to take place. Look at verse one again. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that ye should not... Be offended. In other words, don't be surprised. Don't get upset. Don't get discouraged. Don't get frustrated. Don't be offended when painful things come to pass in your life. Notice he speaks of these. Verse 2, he says, They shall put you out of the synagogue. That was a very serious thing for a Jewish person to be put out of the synagogue because that was the place where they came to learn about God, but it was also the place where they had social gatherings and other things for in the Jewish culture. And so this is where they would have had their a lot of their family connections. This was the place where they would have had a lot of their business contacts. A lot of things happened in and around the synagogue. So to be put out of the synagogue wasn't just that you couldn't come to that building anymore. You were no longer considered part of their group. So he says... Don't be offended, they shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Wow. He said there's, there's going to be some that will die, and the people that kill them will think that they're doing God's will. Have you ever heard of anybody being put to death by someone else claiming to be doing what God wanted them to do? Well, in fact, it happened to many people. There's a very famous Christian who put many people to death in the name of God, only later to come to Christ himself and later himself be put to death for serving God. He, we know him now as the Apostle Paul. Keep reading here. It says in verse 3, And these things will they do unto you, Because they have not known the Father, nor me. It's one thing to claim to do something in the name of God. It's another thing entirely to actually know who God is based on what the Bible says and do it according to who God really is. You can claim to do things in the name of God, but if it's not in line with the Word of God, then it's not in the name of God. Because God and His Word cannot be separated. 
The Word of God is God's direct message to all of humankind throughout all of history. You cannot separate God from His Word and say, well, I like God, but I don't like the Bible. No, it doesn't work like that. You can't say, well, I like part of God's Word, but I, and I prefer to worship God in my own way. No, you can only worship God in His way because it's in His Word. But he says there will be people who will put you to death and think that he, do, that he doeth God's service. Verse 3, And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye, rem- ye may remember that I told you of them. I found that to be true in my life. The older I get, the more stuff I remember. And my dad gets smarter the older I get. You know, you just you remember this stuff. You're like, Dad used to say that. Mom used to always say that. And when you're a kid, you don't remember some of those things as much, but it sticks with you. You remember it when the time is important to remember. It says, And these things I said unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. See, Jesus says to his disciples, I've told you about the pain that you're going to go through. And then Jesus says, but I'm going to go away. He said, none of you are asking me, where are you going? Because the disciples weren't really worried about where Jesus was going at that point. They were only worried about what was going to happen to them. Isn't that like us a lot? We're worried about ourselves. I'm not worried about all that other stuff. I'm just worried about what affects me. Everything else can go and do and be what they want to be, but if it affects me directly, now I care. If it doesn't, I'm not really worried about it. But see, as as believers, as followers of God, as disciples, as children of God, we ought to care what God thinks more than what we think. We ought to care what's important to God more than what may feel important to us because we serve a God that's a whole lot bigger than we are. We serve a God who knows far more than we could ever know. So when we go through some pain, we have to trust that God has it there for His purpose. And He's not doing it just to tease us, not doing it just to make our life difficult just for fun. He's doing it to fulfill His purpose for our lives. See, the Holy Spirit comes to fill you up in a world that is trying to drag you down. You see this pain that they were going to endure. There was relational pain. They would be kicked out of the synagogue. Their relationships would be hurt. You know, following God sometimes means human relationships get pulled apart. Because when people are not following God with you, if they're pulling away from you, there comes a decision point sometimes where I'm choosing rather to obey God rather than man. I'm choosing to follow what God wants for my life rather than what someone else wants for my life. Jesus is telling His disciples, there will come some relational pain if you follow me. For some of these followers of Christ... It would mean their family would no longer associate with them. I heard recently from a missionary over in a country that is predominantly Muslim. 
And there, the missionary said, when one, a man who came to Christ, he chose to follow Jesus, his family held a funeral for him. He wasn't dead, but they considered him dead to them because he cho- chose to follow Jesus Christ. There's some relational pain involved in following Jesus. There may even be some financial pain. For these folks to be kicked out of the synagogue, again, would have meant that some of the people that would associate with them and do business with them, if you understand how their culture works, they would say, no, I'm not doing business with you anymore. There would be some emotional pain. Jesus said in verse 6, because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. There may be some emotional pain to following Jesus. We know that there will even be spiritual pain. Think about this. Someone putting someone else to death and thinking they're doing it in the name of God. Spiritual pain. And physical pain, of course. Ultimately, some of them would be put to death. I mean, think about what happened to some of the first followers of Jesus. Stephen, we know him as the first martyr. He was put to death for preaching about Jesus. Matthew, one of the followers of Jesus who wrote the first book of the New Testament, he was later killed, run through with a sword for following Jesus. James, who wrote the book of James, probably the first pastor in the city of Jerusalem at the age of 94, they stoned him. Why would you stone somebody who's 94? It's not because that person It's because of who they serve. A 94-year-old man doesn't have a whole lot of strength to do a whole lot anymore. But see, I think James had a strength that wasn't a physical strength. He had a spiritual strength that came because he was full of the Holy Spirit. So in order to try to stop it, they stoned him. But listen, you can kill the body, but you can't kill the Spirit. You cannot kill the Holy Spirit. Of God, The Holy Spirit's still living today, and if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, He's living inside of you today. What a blessing. Matthias, he was the man that they chose to replace Judas. He was stoned and beheaded. Mark, he was torn to pieces by a mob. Jude, he was crucified. Luke, he was hanged. Simon and Andrew were both killed for their faith. Peter, when they brought him to crucify him, he said, no, I don't want to be crucified like Jesus. At least that's what the history books say. They crucified him upside down. You say, these were the followers of Jesus. This was his special, close group of disciples. I'm not preaching this morning because I want you all to get up and leave and no longer follow Jesus, but rather to share with you the truth of God's Word because the reality is this, there is pain that comes in life. But there's pain for those who follow Jesus and there's pain for those who don't follow Jesus. This pain is not exclusively reserved for those who follow Christ. 
See, these men that followed Christ, there were other ladies who followed Christ. You read the Fox's Book of Martyrs of men and women put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. They gave a great sacrifice of their life. I think also of John. We're reading one of the books he wrote right here in John chapter 16. He also, of course, wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he wrote Revelation. John lived to about 100 years of age. A number of years before he actually died, they took him because he kept preaching the truth, and they boiled him alive. And he didn't die. Then, later, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. This was this remote island, not much on it. And he lived in this isolated and desolate place. And eventually, he came back from there still preaching the gospel. What was wrong with John? Maybe because he was full of the Holy Spirit. John, as far as we know, was the last living disciple, the, one of those close followers of Jesus, he was the last one to die. Often Christian leadership is about sacrifice for the benefit of others. If you want to be a good husband, it's going to require sacrifice. If you want to be a good wife, sacrifice. If you want to be a good business leader, Sacrifice. Giving something up for the benefit of someone else. Character and legacy cannot be bought at Costco. There's no character and legacy for sale at Amazon.com. You can't get it with your Prime membership. There's no two-day shipping on this. It takes time and it takes sacrifice. Dealing with pain pushing through the pain. Build it. You build character as you go through difficult, painful times. Jesus left us a godly legacy, but He did that because He was willing to go through the pain and suffering to sacrifice for you and for me. You say, well, what did He do? Well, we've already studied it. We've already looked at it, but... He was betrayed by Judas, relational pain. He was tried by Pilate. That included physical pain. He was then beaten with whips. He was nailed to a cross. He was pierced through with a sword. Peter denied him three times. Think of all the difficult things that Jesus went through. If we're going to have character like Jesus and leave a legacy for the Lord. Be prepared to go through pain. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30 says this, Only let your conversation, that's how you live, your lifestyle, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He says, I want your life to make the gospel look good to other people, that other people say, wow, the gospel really works. I've said this to several people recently, and I really feel passionately about this for our church. I don't want us to be a church that just looks around and tries to gather up all the other people around us that already look like us. Rather, I want to be a church that says, we preach a gospel that is alive and a gospel that works. 
a gospel where lives are changed and people are taken from darkness to light. People are taken from their wicked path of sin and put on the path of righteousness to serve Jesus Christ. I believe we can have a church like that because the gospel does work. The Holy Spirit is powerful, but the reality is today most people don't know that. Some people in some churches are trying to make it up and, and put on a good feeling and a good attitude and a big show to make it feel like something's happening. Folks, we don't have to fake it. In Christianity, it's not faking it till you make it. It's about living in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Paul says back here in Philippians chapter 1, he says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. You see, if we stand for truth, if we stand for righteousness, if we stand for the gospel, there will be adversaries. There will be those who will stand against us. He says, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you, notice this next verse. This is not one of the promises of God that most people like to claim. But it's a promise all the same. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. To suffer for His sake. Have you ever suffered for the cause of Christ? Have you ever had anybody upset with you because you follow Christ? Have you ever gone through any relational pain? Any physical pain? Any emotional pain? Any physical pain for the cause of Christ? I know there are some people here in this room that have gone through some very difficult pain for the cause of Christ. I want you to know that there's hope. God has a plan for your life, and God can use that pain in a wonderful way. But I want to say something to those of you who are this morning who might say, you know, Pastor, I don't th I've been through some pain in life, but I don't think I've ever been through any pain for the cause of Christ. I would ask you to examine your relationship with God. Examine how you're living for Him. Are you trying to be a secret disciple where nobody knows or are you trying to stand for Christ and stand for truth because he says right here it's a promise of God that there will be some pain and suffering for those who follow Christ he says having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me Paul's writing to the Philippians here in Philippians chapter 1 he said you saw this conflict in me remember Paul was locked up in a Philippian jail and he says and now you hear it to be in me, he's writing to them from another jail. Paul spent a lot of his ministry time locked up in prison. I wonder how many of us, if we were locked up, if our ministry would go on. See, for Paul it did because he was just serving God wherever God put him. God put him in jail. He said, okay, I'll serve the Lord in jail. God put him in front of Agrippa, the, the, the leader there, he served in front of him. Paul said, I'm going to go to Caesar's house. He served God there. Paul served God wherever God put him. Because Paul understood what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul understood what it meant to go through pain and suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. I want you to know 
this message this morning will get a little more helpful. It'll get a little more hopeful and more joyful. But we need to prepare for the reality of life. In the middle of life, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. And this middle, this is where we call life, right? Someday we're looking forward to eternity and walking on streets of gold and spending our time with the Lord in heaven. But we're not there yet. So how do we live now? There was an Olympic coach who said this. He said, what separates the good athletes from the great athletes is mental strength and fortitude. He said, many athletes could be great athletes, but only a few have the mental toughness to push through the pain to become truly great. This is the truth because this is the world that we live in. We live in a world that doesn't want to go through pain, that doesn't want to go through hardship, that wants to avoid it at any cost. That's natural for us. And as Jesus sees pain on his horizon, John chapter 16, he's looking at it, he sees it coming for himself, and he's warning his disciples, it's coming for you as well. So then Jesus begins to teach about the different ministries of the Holy Spirit. See, the key to enduring in life is not about having the absence of pain, but finding the presence of God so that you can push through the pain in the power of God. A lot of people, they live their life just to avoid pain wherever it goes. If that's pain, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to find a, a path of less resistance, right? See, the key to finding happiness and, and fulfillment in life is not about just avoiding pain, but rather it's about finding the presence of God. So even in the midst of your pain, you can have the power of God to take you through to the other side. But you know, there's many people that will disagree with the instruction of Jesus. Many people say, I, I don't want to go through that. Here's why. If you go through it in your own strength, you wouldn't want to go through it. In fact, you probably couldn't go through it. The only way to get through the kind of pain that Jesus is describing that his disciples were going to go through is in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit this morning. Because when you look at this, you say, that's impossible. I hear what you're saying. It, I, I, some of you in your mind, you may want to just push it to the side and say, well, that's just some of the stuff they talk about at church. No, this is the reality that we live in life. There's pain. We could go around the room this morning. We probably wouldn't even get out of this section this morning talking about pain that people have gone through. We could spend all day probably in just one section talking about pain that you've been through. You've been through pain. You've been through loss. You've been through separation. You've seen death. You've been through hard physical, financial, emotional times. All of you have lived a little bit of life, have suffered in some way or another. There's pain in life. So the question is not, well, how do I avoid pain? Because wherever you turn, there's going to be pain. The question instead is, how do I push through the pain? Where's the hope? Where's the answer? Where's the light? to get me through the dark tunnel. I'll tell you the hope for the Christian is with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 7. 
and read down through verse 14. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is the truth and He always speaks the truth? Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. This is quite a statement. Again, think about it. Put yourself in the shoes, or I guess the sandals, of the disciples this morning. As they've spent time with Jesus, they've seen Jesus feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. How did Jesus do that? Well, He's God. He, he performed a miracle. It was incredible. They saw Jesus take people who were dead and bring them back to life. Incredible. They saw Jesus take blind people, put a little mud on their eyes and tell them to wash it off and their sight was restored. They saw Jesus take people who couldn't walk and just by reaching down and picking them up, they walked and ran and they had the strength of their legs back. And now Jesus is telling these same disciples, it's better for you, it's good, it's expedient for you that I go away. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that? How could it be better for Jesus to be in heaven than to be on earth? Wouldn't it be better if Jesus was here on earth right now? Jesus says, no, it's better that the Holy Spirit is here. Why? I would tell you this. It's better that the Holy Spirit is here because when Jesus was here, he was in a physical body. Jesus, when he was here in that physical body, he was in one place at one time. This morning, if Jesus was here on the earth, you would have to get on an airplane perhaps and fly to some other far distant place to go see Jesus. And you can imagine there'd be quite a few people that would follow him around, but Jesus couldn't get to everyone because he, he was restricted in a body at that point in time. But when he gave the Holy Spirit, he gave his spirit that can live inside every single believer. He's everywhere in those that have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. So if you're a believer this morning, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And clear over here on the other side of the room, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you this morning. So when you go home, you don't have to come back here to get Jesus. No, the Holy Spirit goes with you. And when you go to work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit goes with you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've confessed your sin, if you've been saved. You have the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. So he uses this term to describe the Holy Spirit. He calls him the Comforter. This is, we know what it means to comfort someone, to encourage them, to help them, to lift them up, to help them carry their burdens. He says, the Comforter will not come unto you. Then he says, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. See, Jesus is saying, I'm speaking the truth and I'm going to send him unto you. Jesus always does what he says he's going to do. And then what's going to happen? Here in verse 8 through verse 14, we're going to read about seven different ministries of the Holy Spirit. See if you can find them as I read them out loud. He says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The last one's found in verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. See, if you belong to the Lord Jesus, you have a unique relationship with God. You say, what is that? Well, God has given the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each of us that's a believer in Jesus Christ. God, the Holy Spirit, is a personal being. We see that here. He's referred to over and over. He says, He, He, He. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, when it's speaking about His function and His work in the Bible, is sometimes referred to with the uh, neuter pronoun, it. But it's, it's referring to this personal nature of the Holy Spirit. He's not some unseeing, unfeeling, just force of nature. No, He's a personal God. He's a personal God. The Holy Spirit teaches us who God is. We should listen to the Lord and echo the Lord. Have you ever felt alone? Jesus said, I'm going to go so I can send the Holy Spirit unto you. So we'll never be alone. We see this as He speaks, as the Holy Spirit, He says, is come. But I want to give you the seven different ministries of the Holy Spirit here. The first three are ministries of the Holy Spirit that are specifically to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So there's three to the unsaved this morning, and then there's four ministries to the saved. So what are the three ministries of the Holy Spirit to the unsaved? Well, he says it very clearly here. He says back in verse number 8, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. That's the first one. He's going to reprove the world of sin. He's going to convict us of sin. See, sin is what God says is wrong. Sin is when I break God's law. It's either a sin of commission, when I do something, I commit something that I shouldn't have done, or it's a sin of omission, where I don't do something God has told me to do. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of sin. Have you sinned? Well, the Bible says you have. God says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And it's the Holy Spirit that does a work in a person's heart to convict them or to reprove them of their sin. Holy Spirit lets people know that they are doing wrong. He's going to reprove the world of sin. And then the Holy Spirit also reproves the world of righteousness. This is the standard of what is right In the eyes of God, sin is what is wrong. Righteousness is what is right. Well, how does God get to decide what is right and what is wrong? Because He's God. 
right? And too many times other people say, well, I'd like to make that decision, or I don't really feel like this is bad, or I want to have this, but not that. No, God gets to decide. And the Holy Spirit reproves the unsaved person of righteousness. Righteousness realizes that I am not the standard, that God is the standard. Righteousness realizes that I have to obey God and not what I think is right. Jesus is the only one who is righteous. He's the only person that ever lived on this earth that was righteous. When you understand the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. See, there are people today, maybe there's even somebody here this morning, that you feel righteous. You feel like, well, I, I, I go to church. I've done this my whole life. I give in the offering. I participate in the things going on at church. I'm a righteous person. That's the wrong standard for righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. You say, well, then what can I do? The Holy Spirit will reprove you of righteousness. Jesus is the standard of righteousness. And until you measure up to the standard of Jesus, you are not righteous. You say, well, pastor, then what am I supposed to do? I can't measure up to the standard of Jesus. I'll never be righteous. Well, that's true in your own strength. You could not be righteous. There's nothing you could do to make yourself righteous. The only way you can be righteous is to have Jesus' blood shed on your behalf. To accept what Christ has done for you. And when you stand before God someday, you can't stand there in your own righteousness. And say, well, I did everything I was told to do. That's not good enough. You have to be able to stand before God someday and say, it wasn't me. I'm standing here based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not because of what I've done, not because of some effort that I put in, not because I was really nice to everybody, but because of what Jesus did for me. And I would ask you this morning, what's your righteousness based in? Is it based in what you've done or is it based in what Jesus has done for you? The Holy Spirit, He's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness. If you're here this morning and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart and pulling and pointing things out in your life saying, you're not righteous, you're not righteous. You need to stand this morning in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and ask God to forgive you of your sin. Because you cannot stand before God someday in your own righteousness. A lot of people grew up thinking, well, I'm a pretty good person. If you'll read the Bible, you'll very quickly understand Jesus was very different than you. Pretty good people today are nothing like Jesus was. Jesus always tells the truth. Jesus loves his enemies. You say, well, I, 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 I'm pretty nice to people. You're not like Jesus. You're not as righteous as Jesus. Jesus is kind. He's always kind. You mean to tell me you've never had a bad day? Jesus is just. 
Jesus always does what is right, and I don't care how good you are, you're not good enough to be like Jesus. We need to have this attitude before the Lord that Jesus is right and you and I are wrong. We're only right in when we stand with Jesus and do and say as He does and says. So He's going to reprove the world of sin, reprove the world of righteousness, and number three, the third ministry, the Holy Spirit, reprove the world of judgment. He speaks here in the passage. Let me go back and look at it with you. Verse number 9. He says, Of sin, because they believe not on me. So he's going to reprove the world of sin. Why? Because they don't believe. He wants them to understand their sin. He's going to reprove the world of righteousness. He says, Because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. You're no longer going to have Jesus living on this earth demonstrating what it means to have a holy life and to not sin and to do right and to be kind and to love your enemies. He said, no, the Holy Spirit, He's going to convict you of that. And then He says in verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. See, the Bible teaches us that there is a judgment coming someday. But God didn't make this judgment for you and me. He made it for the devil. And all of His angels. But see, you have a choice. You can either stand with Jesus Christ and trust in Him for your forgiveness of sin. Or you can follow the prince of this world. That's Satan. The Bible says there's a judgment. The Holy Spirit's going to reprove the world of judgment. Do you realize there's a judgment coming someday? There's two judgments, in fact, the Bible speaks of. There's the great white throne judgment and there's the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is where all believers will stand and give an account of how they've lived their life for the Lord. But then there's the great white throne judgment. That's when Satan and all of his demons will be judged and all those who have followed him. You say, well, I'm not following him. You can't follow both. You can't serve two masters. You can't go somewhere in the middle. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. So we see the first three ministries of the Holy Spirit are specifically to the non-Christian. We all deserve God's judgment. Not everyone dies and goes to a better place. If you reject the offer of eternal life through Christ, you will spend an eternity separated from God. This is the truth. Is Jesus right? Yes, He is. Are you and I wrong when we try to go away from what Jesus teaches? Yes, we are. Are you facing judgment? Yes, we all are. What kind of judgment we face is up to what we do with Jesus. Do we need Jesus? Yes, we do. We need Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're in grave danger. You are. It might all be working out just fine right now, but if you die without Christ, it will never work again. So we see the three ministries of the Holy Spirit to the unbeliever, and then we see four more ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Look back with me, if you will, at verse number 13. It says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is... Come. This is the first ministry I want to spend a moment on. 
This is the ministry of presence. The Holy Spirit is present. He is with us. See, when Jesus came to this earth, one of the things they said, they'll say, you'll call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And now God with us was going to ascend back to heaven. So what was he going to do? He's going to send his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who would be with us when the spirit is come. When he is come. What a blessing to know that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth is come. I think one of the hardest things to go through for people is being alone, loneliness. You ever felt alone? You might be here this morning in a whole crowd of other people and might feel like you're completely alone. If you don't have Christ, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are alone. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are never alone. Yes, there will be times when Satan may kind of try to tempt you and may try to cause problems for you, may try to discourage you, but you are never alone. You're never alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's with you. The ministry of presence. It's not the absence of trouble, but rather it's the presence of God that makes life worth living. You can't get all the trouble out of your life. But the Holy Spirit can be with you and present in your trouble. It's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God that makes life worth living. See, there are many people in this world that outwardly look very successful. They've made lots of money. They've been successful in in different athletic events or sports or activities. They're great business people. They're, They're famous politicians, whatever it is. That doesn't make them happy people, though, does it? All the time you read of the pain and the discouragement, even the suicide sometimes of those people who seem to have it all and oh then it's often in the news and everybody comes out and they they feel sad and they post the hotlines call if you're having a struggle call if you feel alone there's somebody here and folks I appreciate people that are trying to encourage people like that but I want you to know there's somebody that can encourage you far better than someone else on a hotline it's the Holy Spirit He's present. Only if you're a believer, though. If if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's here. God is there to comfort you, to unburden you, to strengthen you so that you are not alone. Sometimes when people go through pain, what do they want to do? They want to isolate themselves. When pain comes, don't isolate. Run to the Lord. Run to the Lord. Jesus is teaching His disciples. He's teaching them how to be ready for the pain that was going to come. He's telling them how to be prepared when that emotional and physical and spiritual and relational pain would come in their lives. He says, you have the Holy Spirit. 
He's the Spirit of truth. The first ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer is the ministry of presence. The second ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer is the ministry of helping. Look again at verse number 13. It says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Sorry, I got ahead of myself reading that verse. I wanted you to go back to verse number 7. Jesus said again, It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. This is ministry of comforting us, of helping us when we're going through difficult struggles and times. If He's our helper, if He's our paraclete, that's the Greek word, if He's our comforter, then that means he gives you exactly what you need right when you need it. Isn't that encouraging? The Lord has said over in the book of Philippians, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So if you don't have it, it's because you don't need it yet. Because if you had it, it would be because God said, All right, they need it now. But how often do we walk around frustrated and upset and discouraged? And, oh, I need this. I need that. I don't have this. I don't have that. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? Trust in the Lord. Rest in Him. The Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your comforter. He's going to give you exactly what you need right when you need it. Running around frustrated, worried, upset is me putting more faith in myself than in the Holy Spirit. What's your faith in this morning? Holy Spirit, His ministry of presence, His ministry of helping, not only to give you what you need when you need it, but also to help you to overcome temptation. You're going through a difficult time. You're feeling tempted and pulled to do wrong. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort, to help, to lift you up, to bear you up when you're feeling weak spiritually. Some of you go through that often. All of us face it at various times throughout the day and the week and the month where we feel weak spiritually. We feel like we're being tempted. I'm going to fail. I don't know what I'm going to do. The Holy Spirit gives you strength. He's your helper. The Holy Spirit gives you emotional strength through the promises of God. See, it's wonderful how God's Holy Spirit works in perfect harmony with God's Word. And he reminds us of the truth of God's word. That's why it's so important as a believer, if we're going to feel and experience and understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our heart and life, we must be filling our minds and filling our hearts with the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to wash us, to clean us, to work us over, to challenge us, to encourage us, to help us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit gives you strength to forgive. If you're living with a bunch of unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else, the Holy Spirit gives you strength to forgive that person. Why? Because I can trust that God's plan is perfect. You can try to hurt me. You can even kill me. 
You can take things away from me. But if I'm God's and if he, I am his and he is mine, then God has me. He's holding me up. He's got me safe. He's got me right where he wants me to be. He's my helper. And I don't have to worry what someone else does. I can forgive. I can forgive. But see, often we don't forgive. Why? Because, well, you don't understand. They need to do this. I'll forgive them if they change. I'll forgive them if they start doing something differently. I'll forgive them if they make my life better. We have all these qualifications on what forgiveness is. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't have qualifications on forgiving you? He didn't say, well, I'll forgive you if. No, he says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit, His ministry of presence, His ministry of helping. Thirdly, His ministry of teaching. You see it right here. It says, He will guide you into all truth. Verse number 13. You say, I, I struggle in my reading of God's Word, understanding the truth. Ask God to help you understand. As you read it, as you study it, say, God, teach me what you want me to learn. God, help me to understand your word. It's the Holy Spirit that guides you into truth. Remember, though, God's word is truth. There are people walking around today that say, well, the Holy Spirit told me something. And it's not found in the Bible. Folks, the Holy Spirit never contradicts the Bible. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, keep reading in the verse. He says, for he shall not speak of himself. Holy Spirit isn't making up new truth that's not found in the Word of God. God's Word is truth. So when you hear somebody say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, if it is contrary to what God's Word says, then that wasn't the Holy Spirit that told him to do that. Now, does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Does He encourage us? Does He help us? Absolutely. That's what it says here. But the Holy Spirit would never tell us to do something that is contrary to what God's Word has already said. That's very important. Because if you start believing or teaching that the Holy Spirit can teach you or tell you to do something that's contrary to God's Word, well, now you have free license to do whatever you want. You just claim, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. But if it's found in God's Word, we can have confidence that that is what the Holy Spirit would want us to do. But that often requires more work on our part. It requires us to study, right? It's easy to be able to say, well, the Holy Spirit told us to do this. Just go do something. It's another thing to be able to back it up with the truth of God's Word. Say, I know the Holy Spirit's leading us to do this, and here's why. Do you know why I know the Holy Spirit is leading us to preach the gospel and to tell people about Jesus? Because God's Word tells us to do that. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to help us accomplish what God has already commanded us to do? Yes, He will. Do you know, I believe the Holy Spirit is leading you men to love your wives and to care for them and to provide for your families. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because God's Word says... Husbands, love your wives. And see, the Holy Spirit then, He's not speaking of Himself. He's then helping us and challenging us and encouraging us to do what God has already said that we should do. See, they all work together. 
The Holy Spirit isn't some rogue member of the Trinity where He's out over here by Himself just doing His own thing. He doesn't speak of Himself. Yet there are many people today that want the Holy Spirit to just sort of be their own toy that they can make into whatever they want it to be and make believe and pretend and point it this way and that way. And as long as I claim that the Spirit made me do it, as long as I have enough energy and get enough excited about it, then everybody's going to believe because I'm passionate and they wouldn't be passionate if it wasn't real. Folks, people get passionate about their cell phone. I mean, come on. (laughs) You don't believe me? I just got to walk down and grab someone's phone and run out the door, and you see how passionate people would get. (laughs) Right? Come back here with that. Folks, passion doesn't equal truth. God's Word is truth. God's Word is truth. The Holy Spirit, His ministry of presence, His ministry of helping, His ministry of teaching. And finally this morning, there's so much more that could be said. I told a couple men before the service, I said, this is one of these hard messages to preach because there's so much and it's so important. But here's the last one this morning, verse 14. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. There's the ministry of worship. To glorify is to lift somebody up or something up. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify God through the person of Jesus Christ. How does the Holy Spirit glorify and worship God in the person of Jesus Christ? He convinces us and convicts us and works in our heart and points us towards Jesus. I would tell you this morning, we could sing all the songs in the hymn book. We could sing all the songs that everybody has ever learned about God. We could read the Bible from cover to cover, and there'd be no worship if the Holy Spirit wasn't involved. It would just be songs and music and noise and and words being read. But the Holy Spirit, when He works in our heart, now it becomes worship. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He says, He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. It's the Holy Spirit that helps to reveal that to us. So that when we come together, we know we're worshiping the same thing and the same person and the same one, the same God. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven ministries of the Holy Spirit. Reprove the world of sin. Reprove the world of righteousness. Reprove the world of judgment. There's the ministry of presence. The ministry of helping, the ministry of teaching, the ministry of worship. I would ask you, though, this morning as we close. I was thinking about this and I mentioned this to Brother Ed before the service. Back in verse 13, one of the things that I've mentioned several times, it says of the Holy Spirit, he shall not Speak of himself. This was a challenge to me because often we like to glorify ourselves. Wouldn't it be great if that could be said of our church? That could be said of you and me as individuals. We're not here just to speak about ourselves, tell you how great we are. We're here to point people to God. 
he shall not speak of himself. I would ask you this afternoon when you go home, meditate on that. Think about that. What does that mean? He shall not speak of himself. And how can I apply that to my own life? Not speak of myself. Boy, we run around a lot just lifting up ourselves, speaking about ourselves and talking about ourselves. I'm not saying you can't tell somebody what's going on in your life. That's not what this is talking about. I'm talking about we're not here to lift up ourselves. We're not here to say, well, if everybody would just do it like I do it, then we'd really get somewhere. No, let's point people to God. He's the answer. When people come to Christ, let's give the glory to God. This isn't about building our kingdom. It's about building His kingdom. This isn't just run around and say, well, look at our church. Look what we're doing. No, look at what God's doing. Look at what God's doing. And praise the Lord for all that He is doing. Praise the Lord for people coming to Christ. They'll come to Christ when we keep lifting up Christ. We start lifting up ourselves. They might come to us for a while, but it's not going to last. It's empty. Because that's building on human foundations. You know what happens to buildings like this? They fall down eventually. They get torn down eventually. Someone else comes along and moves in, everything moves out. And then it just becomes a place where people come back. Well, what, what? wasn't that a great place? I remember what well, used to happen in there. Folks, if it's real inside of us, if the Holy Spirit's working inside of us, if God is doing a work in us, God may remove this building. He could remove this place. And what the Lord is doing ought to just go right on going. Just keep on going. It's not stopped. Because it's the Lord. What would happen, right? Just start, oh, bad things. What if some, some big event, a war or a storm or something came through and just blew this up and scattered us all over the place? Would the work of the Lord keep going? You know, that happened in the New Testament in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, there were thousands of people that trusted Christ. And the Bible says there were people coming to the Lord daily. Wouldn't that be exciting, boy, with people being saved daily? You know, if you go to Jerusalem today, that church that was of that size isn't there anymore. You know what happened? Just what Jesus told the disciples would happen. They're going to throw you out of the synagogue. They're going to kill you. They're going to say they do it in the name of the Lord. You say, well, did the church end? No. Did God scatter it and spread it out? Yes, He did. But the work of the Lord carried on. Because, folks, it's not about just building this place. It's about building up and pointing people to Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit came, to point us to Christ. And that's why we live here now, is to point people to Christ. And when you go through pain, and you will, you can persevere and push through that pain through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Tried to say a lot this morning. There's a lot more that could be said. And tomorrow or next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll go back in and continue studying some more from John chapter 16 on the Holy Spirit.
But if God has spoken to you this morning, somebody here this morning might say, Pastor Will, I heard what you're saying about the Holy Spirit. I heard what you say it about dealing with pain. But the reality is, I've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I've trusted in a church, or I've trusted in myself, or I've trusted in my own righteousness. But this morning, I want to trust in Jesus and Christ alone as my Savior. Is there anybody like that this morning? Just lift your hand up quietly and slip it right up and right back down. I just want to pray for you this morning. Say, Pastor, well, I need to trust in Jesus. All right, thank you. I would guess just by the fact that most folks did not raise their hands, that most folks this morning would say, Pastor, I am a believer. Folks, you're dealing with pain too. Are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning? Or are you trying to push through in your own strength? I would ask you this morning, if you're struggling with something, some pain, some difficulty in your life, give it to the Lord. Ask God to forgive you for trusting in your own strength and ask God to give you the help to get through. And then as we, after I pray here, if you've prayed and you need some help, come talk to me. I want to get you with some good truth, the Word of God in your hand, Bible verses, chapters, books in the Bible that can help you to understand how God wants you to live. And I want to help you with that, okay? And uh, so let's pray. I'll pray now. After we pray, you all stand to your feet. That'll make it easier for folks to slide out after I pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. I pray that you'd help folks to obey and follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet as the piano plays. Head bowed and eyes closed. If you'd like to come and pray with me or speak with me, I'd be happy to help you any way that I can. Let's go to the Lord now.